You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with swift backlash for a Victoria City Councillor who's suggesting the military should help pay for events such as Remembrance Day. Making it worse, Council discussed it yesterday on the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Ben Isaac admits the timing was unfortunate, but he's not without support. Kylie Stanton has more on the debate and reaction. The bagpipes play and the crowd falls silent. For two minutes every year, we remember those who fought for freedom. But on the 88th anniversary of this ceremony, a Victoria councillor is marching to the beat of his own drum, suggesting the military foot the bill. D&D's budget is about $20 billion. Ben Isaac introducing the amendment Thursday as council was debating police cost overruns for public events. It also happened to be the 75th anniversary of D-Day. I did propose the motion not that the city wouldn't fund uh, Remembrance Day, but that our staff would talk to federal officials to see if there was a willingness uh, to make a contribution towards the city's costs. And I guess the, the, res the public uh, can judge me and my colleagues on that. And they did. On Twitter, the backlash was quick and harsh. Isaac was called a disgrace, ignorant and clueless. It also lit up the CKNW buzz line. I really hope that there are repercussions for his career. Backstabbing jerks, totally kicking our veterans and everything they did for us. Victoria spends a little more than $15,000 a year, or 0.0006% of its budget for military events like Remembrance Day. Critics say it's a small price to pay, and the city should just absorb the costs. Victoria City Council needs to give their head a shake, because Canadians in the thousands went over to Europe and died. Gerald Pash has spent much of his life dedicated to the remembrance of that sacrifice. The whole notion to me is silly. And when, of course, you fold in the act of remembrance and commemoration, it becomes hurtful and perhaps disrespectful. But Isaac is no stranger to controversy. In recent months, proposing banning Victoria's horse carriage industry, pulling funding from the Invictus Games, and doing away with Christmas decorations. Isaac is apologizing this time around. Uh, but I won't apologize for standing up for the taxpayer. And he's not dropping the issue. It will be debated once again at City Hall next week. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. All right, Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on this controversy. As mentioned, Keith, Ben Isaac isn't the only one in favor of this. Mm. He raised it, but it passed, I think, five to three or something like that. Mm -hmm. And Councillor Lauren Collins, uh, Laurel Collins, also supported it. She's someone who could face repercussions for this. Yes, because she's the first one of the bunch to seek uh, elected office, not at the city council level, but at the federal election level uh, come October. She's the federal candidate in a uh, federal NDP candidate in the riding of Victoria. She did support it. She put a statement out late today saying she regrets her actions. We caught up with her a little more than an hour ago, and she's sorry for what she did. She basically wasn't thinking at the time. Here's Laurel Collins. When I was voting, I was thinking about it as, you know, cost sharing with other levels of government. And it wasn't until I saw a little bit of the reaction that I realized what we had done. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah, I deeply regret that that happened on D-Day. I wish that I had had the presence of mind to refer it, it to another day to have that discussion, first and foremost. Um, 
but then regardless, I just, I, yeah, I'm just deeply regretful of the impact. Obviously, some discomfort there from uh, the NDP candidate. It'll be interesting whether this arises again in the election campaign. In any event, Laurel Collins says she will not be supporting the motion when it comes back in front of council on Thursday. It'll be interesting whether the others who supported the motion also reconsider their vote and whether or not it passes or fails. A lot more eyes will be on the Victoria City Council <laughs> meeting than there usually are. So. Thanks, Keith. A challenging rescue in Lions Bay this afternoon for a couple of hikers. Search and rescue taking off to reach two women who called for help when they became stuck beneath the ridge line. They were trapped by snow and felt they couldn't move up or down. At first, crews thought they'd have to climb up, but then the weather cleared and they were able to get the helicopter up and longline the women out to safety. When I slid, um, I lost my, my, my hiking poles. And then um, it's like, it's so steepy. It was like one false move. So I, I told her she was below me like 50 meters or 100 meters away. So I told her to, to stay there, not come and get me. I were very thankful for all of them, like risking their life to rescue us. An update tonight in a series of concerning events at a secondary school in Surrey, including an alleged bullying incident, part of which was caught on video. Originally, RCMP said in that situation, all parties agreed to restorative justice. But tonight, Surrey RCMP are recommending charges. Rumina Dea is live in our newsroom with more. And Rumina, the victim's father did feel a stronger message needed to be sent. Absolutely, Sophie. And from the beginning, he said that he just wanted justice for his son and he wants those responsible to be held accountable. Now, the disturbing incident happened Monday in the woods near Fraser Heights Secondary. It was apparently in retaliation to a fight on school grounds last Friday. An air gun or pellet gun was also found and alleged threats have also since been made. Now, Surrey RCMP previously said that those involved would not face criminal charges, instead entering into a restorative justice program. But now a 15-year-old boy has been arrested and released on a promise to appear. So what changed? Police are not talking, but the father of the alleged victim says he feels like his family was misled by police regarding their options. His identity must now be concealed because of privacy laws under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. I believe that we were uh, grossly misinformed as to uh, what the ramifications of entering into that program would be. I did not make any deal or agreement to stop the pursuit of justice for my son or give up our rights to participate in the judicial process. Now, the alleged victim's family, Sophie, wants to thank everyone for their support. RCMP won't say what charges are being recommended or how many youth could face charges at the end of this investigation. Police are still appealing for witnesses to come forward. Sophie. All right. Thanks for that. Rumina Dea reporting tonight. A multi-vehicle crash has closed one of the busiest roads in Burnaby. RCMP confirmed one person was killed and two others were taken to hospital. The crash occurred on Kingsway near Nelson and Kingsway. 
So the road is closed in a long stretch from Nelson to Marlboro. RCMP say it'll be closed for some time while investigators gather evidence. Speed is believed to have been a contributing factor in the crash. The city of Vancouver is warning drivers it's expected to be a busy weekend on the roads. Both Saturday and Sunday around Canada Place will be hectic as cruise ships are in port. And there's lots of road work going on, including the Canby Bridge southbound on-ramp will be reduced to one lane. And on Sunday, Italian Day on the Drive will close commercial from Venables to Broadway. You can find a full list of the disruptions on the city's website. Thankfully, it's going to be a good weekend to fill up. While it's still not cheap, gas prices have fallen more than 40 cents a litre from last month's record high. Jill Bennett is live with more on the drop and how long we have to take advantage of it. Jill. Chris, people have been filling up all day today. The gas station just behind me actually dropped by another two cents just a couple of hours ago. That's even causing traffic delays on East 12th Avenue. Now, the reason for this, uh, there are a number of reasons, according to experts, uh, and a lot of them have nothing to do with what's happening right in our own backyard. My friend just texted me that gas prices were low at this particular spot, so I'm, like, going to run out before I make it to the pump. News travels fast when gas dips below the $1.40 a litre mark in Metro Vancouver, even though many would agree that's not exactly cheap. I think it's still the most expensive in, this, in the country, right? So it's still relative. 40 bucks up, it only gives me a quarter when it's up. Something like that will give me at least half. But what has led to the drop in gas prices? While politicians are quick to blame each other and gouging by oil companies, this economics professor says those aren't the factors. We are dependent on the refineries in Edmonton and we are dependent on the gyrations of the international oil market. And that means we will be experiencing volatile gasoline prices. Everybody should be prepared for prices to go up and go down and sometimes unexpectedly so. This graph shows how gas prices have fluctuated during the past year alone. And while some point to the high taxes as the culprit for the high prices, even though Metro Vancouver drivers pay more than 50 cents a litre in tax, that too could be the wrong thing to focus on. The political blame game uh, completely misses the point. It's all about markets and very little about politics. Uh, politicians can do virtually nothing about these gas prices because they're determined by global factors and long-term investment into refining capacity. For now, it's expected the lower prices will stick around for a few days at least, which is good news for motorists. Gas is brutal when you're a delivery driver, right? Like, you know, so this is quite the relief. Yeah, I'm very happy. Now, we also spoke with Dan McTagg with Gas Buddy. Uh, he said uh, from the way things look right now, we've dipped to about the lowest the prices are going to go. But the good news is he expects those lower prices are going to stick around for at least the next few days. Chris, Sophie? Pumps will be busy. Thanks very much, Jill. Following the world's largest conference on gender equality, the federal government announced today $150,000 to kickstart a building project by women for women. And while there appears to be support for the idea, Nadia Stewart explains why some say this initiative is off to a controversial start. This free public parking lot is at the center of the city's latest announcement. We know we have an unmet need for affordable housing with supportive services geared toward women and families, and particularly Indigenous women in Vancouver. Indigenous women alongside the mayor, local and federal politicians, and the managing director of the Women Deliver Conference, all on hand announcing the launch of a new dynamic project. 
a housing, childcare, and services facility for women by women. From design professionals, including planners and architects, engineers, uh, to construction workers, suppliers, and operators. This lot, valued at over $17 million, has been offered up by the city. The federal government, by way of the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, is giving $150,000 in seed money. While she welcomes the idea, Vancouver Councillor Jean Swanson says she'd like to see Ottawa give much more than that in the end. Well, I'd like them to pay for the project, to, for, to build the project. But of course it has to be designed and run by Indigenous and other women. We're not sure at all about what the $150,000 seed money would, would do. Battered Women Support Services Executive Director Angela Marie McDougall says at this stage there are still more questions than answers. It would be my hope that women's organizations would be at it from the beginning all the way to the end and that we would, would, would be leading it. At this point it looks like the government in terms of the city and, and, the, and the federal government are leading it. I don't know when they're going to come back and involve any of us. Meanwhile, the Hastings North Business Improvement Association says the concerns of local property owners also have to be weighed. They have invested a lot of money in the particular lot and they did it under the understanding that this lot was held in trust for the property owners and that they therefore had ownership rights to the lot. A date will soon be set for the city's first public meeting. Nadia Stork, Global News. Right now, though, bankruptcy is on the rise in B.C., and a new report is pointing the finger of blame, at least in part, at FOMO, the fear of missing out. John Waugh explains why at least one expert says social media and reality television are pressuring some into feeling the need to keep up with the Kardashians, even if they can't afford it. It's the kind of lavishness... I think I'm going to take this guy today and luxury once reserved for the lives of the rich and famous you see it online you see it on facebook instagram and now with ultra wealth pretty much everywhere you look in places like metro vancouver some are feeling it's a lifestyle they have to live up to and what do people do when they think they're missing out they book trips they go out to the restaurants they do uh crazy things and they go on shopping sprees i paired it with these white Chanel sneakers. The problem is pressure to imitate these social media influencers and be accepted as a member of the BC elite is pushing some well beyond their means. Over a third of my friends' like paychecks could be going towards houses uh, like they shouldn't really be living in. These like 18-year-olds have so many followers and I think that's where that pressure comes from. Now keeping up with the Kardashians might be driving some towards troubling debt. But according to Campbell... It's the rising cost of everything that's leaving them unable to make their payments. The real Instagram story, BC's insolvency claims in April compared to last year up 5.7%. That's 946 claims, up from 895. This is, you know, extreme wealth, extreme decadence, and, you know, so many people think that they should be living that lifestyle. The reality, don't believe everything you see. The organizer of this recent lavish party in Anmore admitted to only spending 750 bucks. The rest came from sponsorships. Don't be fooled into thinking everyone else is living the, the financial dream. You don't know what their stories are. They may be in bigger debt than you. The best advice aside from seeking credit counseling, stop seeing social media as a standard of living. John Hua, Global News. A live shot of Jurassic Park in Toronto. This is the center 
of the Raptors universe anyway, where Raptors fans arrive early to snag a spot and cheer on their team. Diehard fans reportedly waiting 15 hours just to get in. The Raps looking to widen their series lead tonight as they take on the Warriors in Game 4 of the NBA Finals. It is must-see TV for sports fans. That's right, and even those who maybe aren't always. While normally the West Coast has a bit of a rivalry with the East, bars and restaurants here are definitely seeing the benefit. Jordan Armstrong is live at the Butcher and Bullock in downtown Vancouver. And Jordan, everyone, well, most people love having a Canadian team to cheer for, don't they? That's right, Chris. I think it's safe to say that for now, the Vancouver-Toronto rivalry is on hold. A lot of Raptors fans have filled this bar in downtown Vancouver and others across the province. We'll give you a live look here. You know, the television ratings have been staggering. It's estimated 8.8 .8 million Canadians watched summer all of Game 3. That's about a quarter of this country's entire population tuning in. For the local food and beverage industry, it is big business. Credit and debit processing firm Moneris says transactions were up by 24% in BC bars during Game 2. A welcome boost with no Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup Final. This year in particular, once the Canadian teams uh, got knocked out, it, things really slowed down, I know, at a lot of our locations. With the Raptors' success, it's been phenomenal. Uh, business is great across the city. Uh, this bar especially, we've had a really great local following of Vancouverites, fans new and old. And there's a lot of tr transplants, I think, from other parts of Canada that are really enjoying the success of the team. So a lot of happy fans down here, including, I have to show you, at least three Warriors fans. Probably a good idea that they didn't wear their jerseys in here, though, guys. Back to you. <laughs> That's right. Is this the Warriors thing? That's the Warriors. That's the Golden State. That's what you do? Oh, my gosh. Hey, yeah. Remember this incredible footage of a rescue gone wrong? The husband of the elderly woman who was in that basket is speaking out tonight. George Metro watched it all from the ground after his 74-year-old wife, Catalin, had injured herself on a hike in Arizona. He says she still hasn't recovered from her rescue gone wrong. Oh, I didn't know if she was dead or alive. Everything was spinning so fast. The blood was going to her head and to her eyeballs. And she didn't know what was happening. She thought she was going to die when she was spinning. She's very dizzy and nauseous. So she hasn't been able to get out of bed. You know, I'm just hopeful the doctors and medical people can get her back on her feet as soon as possible. Fire officials say they used an extra line and preventative measures against the spinning, but for some reason, they didn't work. A number of people are concerned uh, in downtown Vancouver today about what appeared to be a spill on the water. It's still there. An oily sheen spread throughout Coal Harbor. Environmental response officers and the Canadian Coast Guard were dispatched to check it out and determined that it is in fact a fuel spill from a boat that had moved from the fuel dock to its moorage. They say the fuel spill is much smaller than it looks and it will dissipate. They'll just leave it. A conflict in Summerland between a farm and the people who live nearby is coming to a head with neighbors crying foul. The fight is over a mushroom facility. And as Global's Jules Knox reports, it's getting nasty in more ways than one. It is so rancid, literally seconds you're gagging. Brad Bessler is kicking up a stink about the smell from the mushroom farm next door. It wafts, 
all the way to the house over there. It is so disgusting. I've never smelt anything like that in my life. He's fed up with the farm and put up a sign detailing his concerns, including that some of the farm's buildings aren't properly permitted. They built into our setbacks. It's supposed to be 30 meters minimum right up to our property line. It's crazy. But property owner Thor Clausen says the building in question is a storage room for wood chips, not a mushroom barn, and only needs to be about five metres back from the property line. As for the alleged smell... There's no manures, there's no animal products, there's no composting, it's wood chips. The only thing you might smell is we have to pasteurise our wood chips, so it might smell a little bit like damp wood. Clausen alleges that his neighbours have been harassing his staff and police have responded on multiple occasions. They have been playing uh, vulgar rap music, swearing, cursing and intimidating our employees. RCMP confirmed that an investigation is still underway and said they anticipate forwarding a package to the Crown Prosecutor who could consider pressing charges. One for the second resident. Meanwhile, problems continue to mushroom between the neighbours. There is a process for this. You're welcome to speak at the variance hearing. As for the supposed smell, Gaines says there's no bylaw against it, although she says the district has asked various provincial authorities to look into their rules to see if any are being broken. Jules Knox, Global News, Summerland. Some sad news to pass along tonight from the Burnaby Fire Department, a death in the line of duty of a veteran firefighter. Back in February, we met Burnaby firefighters who were getting ready to climb 48 stories of stairs in the Climb the Wall event at the Wall Center in honor of one of their captains who was battling occupational lung cancer. Sadly, Burnaby Fire announced today on Twitter that 56-year-old Captain Ken Kinney, a 28-year veteran, has passed away. Kenny will be given a full line-of-duty death funeral. Also in Health Matters tonight, a cross-country search for a very special B.C. healthcare professional. A Toronto woman is looking for a nurse who helped save her life 20 years ago at VGH. Global's Karen Lieberman explains why she's never forgotten the nurse's kindness. It was one complication after another complication. It's been years since Toronto mother Marcy Warhoft lay on what nearly became her deathbed at Vancouver General Hospital. It was something called Clostridium difficile, which is C. diff for short. The bacteria ravaging her pregnant body, shutting down her organs. And that led to kidney failure and respiratory failure. And then I got pneumonia and then I got the superbug MRSA. Her worst night remains a vivid memory. I turned to my husband at the time and I said, kiss Dylan goodbye for me, which was my older son at home. And we think that's the night that I lost Jackson. The baby she had longed for after multiple miscarriages was gone. And in walks like this sunshine. A nurse, one of many amazing ones she credits with helping her get through, did something extraordinary. She goes, do you curse? When you can talk, do you curse? And I nodded yes. And she goes, okay, then I'll swear for you. And it was just this beautiful kind of symphony of holy This is How can this be And for the first time in weeks, Warhoft smiled. What do you remember about her? I think her name was Deb. I'm not sure. I I imagine bouncy blonde hair. Nearly 20 years later, Warhoft still thinks of that cursing nurse. I had dried blood on my hands and on my arms. My nails were all broken. My skin was peeling off dry. And she was like, we got to fix this. And she cleaned my arms and my hands. And she... she had lost her baby and two precious months with her young son. Her body was shattered, but her spirit came alive.
Warhoft has been able to thank the other nurses who cared for her in January through March of the year 2000, but is hoping to find the one. What would you say to her? Oh my gosh, I, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, thank you. It's like the obvious thing, but it's more than that. What do you say to the person who took the words right out of your mouth and found a forever place in your heart? Karen Lieberman, Global News. A new program by a leading wildlife foundation is giving us some remarkable insights into the lives of B.C.'s most majestic birds. Linda Ellsworth has the details of a GPS tracking of bald eagles and how we can all take part. So are you going to be nice? Are you going to be nice? David Hancock loves birds. No, 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 you're not going to be nice. No, 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 no. Even no, when they don't no, necessarily no, 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 love no. him back. I, I, to be fair, not. this Sandhill Crane has nice. a fine-looking girlfriend, so rivals aren't appreciated. It was my best buddy. It's just, that's how they change. Fortunately, Hancock, who's a biologist, understands. In fact, he understands more about one particular bird species than pretty well anyone else in the world. For 60-something years, I have actually tried to better the place for eagles. But there are still mysteries that all those years of research haven't solved. There's so many eagles moving through here. Who and where are they from? We don't know. They're, they're here today and then they're gone. And where do they go? So he decided to track 100 bald eagles with GPS devices. We're pushing 10 now. <laughs> well, we could catch the birds. The challenge is getting the dollars to buy these trackers. Each tracker costs about $2,500, so they have to be particular about which birds they put them on. Juvenile eagles are not a good choice. Usually 50 to 60 percent are lost in every age group every year. If you started with 100 babies, you're maybe only going to end up with two or three that are going to ever get mature. Adults have survived the learning curve and tend to live longer, so they can provide more data. It spends a great deal of its time going to the landfill, but it goes every day to a, to a little lake. Anyone can follow the eagle's whereabouts at HancockWildlife.org. It's important to learn where they go because eagles are struggling. Among the many challenges to their survival, eating rodents that have succumbed to pesticides and birds contaminated with lead shot. Learning where these birds are and where they put their time at eating and feeding and where they get their contaminants or don't get them is, is part of what we're trying to figure out. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Caught on video, a terrifying ride for two boys in Arizona. Their windy adventure on a trampoline right after the forecast. Yikes. Whoa. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. We'll show you the full video in just a sec. But first, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with a look at our forecast. A uh, little bit of a blip today, Christy, but we'll get through it. That's right. So it's been a few days that we've had this cold upper level low. We've had rain on and off, certainly cloud and cooler temperatures. You've felt that and we've had a risk of thunderstorms. It has meant, though, that the fire danger rating has been a bit better. You can see um, very low in a few areas. But I urge you to remember, this is really just a daily fire danger rating. And as we head into the weekend, this can change just like that. More so what we need to look at is the long-term trends. And this map actually shows the precipitation anomaly. So the departure from norm for March, April, and May, and the indication here all across the coastal regions is that we've had 
300 to 400 less millimeters of rain than we would typically see through this time period. All of this area in blue showing we've had very, very minimal amount of rainfall across the region. And now we've got a big upper level ridge that's going to build. That's great news for the weekend and next week temperatures are going to soar, but we have no significant rain in sight. So province is trying to get ahead of that and they've actually just increased the drought levels for Fort Nelson and Vancouver Island to a very dry level. That's a category three. What that means is they're urging people to use voluntary water use reduction because there's below normal stream flows. There's a risk to ecosystems and to fish. And if flows go below critical levels, the province will actually consider regulating the water levels. And then next week, they're also going to increase the open fire ban, category two fire ban for all of the Kamloops region. That means you cannot have a fire that's anything larger than a very, very small campfire. That's as of Wednesday of next week for all of the Kamloops area. Now, this is your forecast for tomorrow. We'll see cloud and showers and a risk of thunderstorms still, but the drying trend on the way for all regions. By Sunday, you'll be enjoying sunshine and warmth, and that's the case across the south coast as well, where temperatures will soar close to 30 degrees come the middle part of next week. Here's a gorgeous sunset shot. Looking out towards, the, well, Vancouver looking over English Bay. Thanks to Robert for that one. Great shot of Siwash Rock. Lovely. Thanks, Christy. Two 11-year-old boys in Arizona got a wilder ride than they expected on their backyard trampoline. So I thought that, like, I was just going to die. Home surveillance cameras capture the trampoline being picked up by a gust of wind and tossed over a wall into the street. One boy wasn't hurt, but the other suffered a fractured elbow and pelvis injury. Family says from now on, they will anchor the trampoline. Good warning. Hopefully. Good policy. <laughs> Lash that baby down. Don't don't people now have those like sort of protective netting it's like things? A thing that goes around. I think. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Most do. I don't know. Does it make it more susceptible I don't know. to the wind? Who I don't knows? know. It's supposed to be the safer trampoline, though. Is it? Yeah. I never had when I was a kid. I was deprived. Uh, but I'm not bitter. What are you What's doing? Are you on? looking up the score? What's uh, happening there? It is 25-21. Okay, 25-21. Good. In the in that basketball game that's going on somewhere else. In Oakland. That you're PVRing to watch after the news hour. That's of course. right. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk football. Okay. CFL exhibition season is only two games long. It's short. It's sweet. Uh, so the starters don't get a lot of game action before the regular season begins. For example, Mike Riley didn't play at all in the Lions' first exhibition game against Edmonton. Tonight, the Lions are home to Calgary. Riley will play some of this game, as will some of the other main guys who know they're going to be Lions after the final cutdowns. However, for some, this is their last chance to make the team. How important are CFL preseason games? Well, it depends who you talk to. For a player on the bubble trying to make the team, it's everything. Their chance to show the coaching staff they belong. For those who've already got a starting spot, it's a slightly different approach. Uh, for veterans, you want to get out there and you want to feel the speed of, of game speed again. Um, it is a preseason game. It's not going to be quite up to regular season speed, and you know that, but it's certainly faster than practices during training camp. So uh, it's always nice to get out there for a couple of drives and, and remember what it feels like to play against another team. You know, I still got to go out there and, and, you know, the film is my resume, so I got to go out there and I got to perform. Um, no matter how much I play, whether it's a drive, whether it's a quarter or a half, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play like it's a regular season game. 
for guys like Burnham and Riley, getting three or four series in one preseason game won't get them ready for the regular season. It's the time and dedication in training camp and video sessions that lays the groundwork so they'll be more than ready once the games count in the standings. For three weeks, you get to see who consistently comes out and, and puts in work day in and day out. And, and again, the ones that are great are generally the ones that they come out, they don't look rusty at day one of training camp, and uh, more often than not, they're out there performing very well. It makes me excited to throw those guys during the year for sure. Canadian Open and a big day for the BC boys, at least some of them. There's Adam Hadwin. This is for birdie on 10. Count it. For eagle on 17. Yep. He's at minus nine, sixth place right now. Nick Taylor, same hole as you just saw, the 17th. Also for eagle. Canadians in this group. <laughs> Can't get it to go, but kicks in the birdie, and he is actually one shot off the lead. He's at 11 under. Scott Brown and Matt Kuchar at 12 under. Roger Sloan of Merritt, also the 17th hole. Is this going in? A Sandy? No, but he's going to make the cut at 2 under par. James Allamy, we did the story on him a couple of weeks ago, how he's been setting all those course records locally. He was out there. This is a nice birdie putt, but unfortunately was not able to make the cut. But four Canadians are in the top seven. Hadwin and Taylor, Mackenzie Hughes, and Ben Silverman as well. Clay Thompson is back after missing game three with the hamstring. Game four, Raptors, of course, up 2-1 in the series. Clay Thompson feeling better, hitting the three. Raptors did not shoot well in the first quarter. Kevin Looney taps in the Curry miss. He missed game three with a rib injury, but the Raptors do have number two, and he has been everything for them so far. A lot of them are cold, but he's not. He had 14 of the Raptors, 17 in the first quarter, and they're down by four in the second. Vancouver Giants head coach Michael Dick has a big honor. He has been selected to be the coach of Canada's under-18 team at the Ivan Halinka tournament in August. Doing this means he'll be very much on Hockey Canada's radar in the future, perhaps for a world junior spot on a coaching staff. All right, semifinal action, French Open. It's Roger Federer. It is Rafael Nadal, who has never lost to Federer at Roland Garros. And much the same today. Great backhand passing shot. Won the first set, Nadal 6-2. Second set now. Federer up 4-3. Again, it's a big backhand from Nadal. Now Federer can score some points against Nadal on the clay. Just not enough. He was up in that game and still lost. And this, this is not match point, but it's pretty darn close. And Nadal, straight sets. Roger Federer is out. We don't know who his opponent is yet because Djokovic and team have yet to finish their match. Speaking of France, that's where the Women's World Cup of Soccer is. And it started today with France against South Korea. Eugenie Le Sommer. Et 1-0 for France. 3-0 now for France. And Amandine Henri will go right foot, right corner. France wins at 4-0. Canada starts Monday against Cameroon. Are you all right? I'm okay. Okay. You sure? I'm good. All right, Squires here with Satellite Debris. Okay, when is Father's Day? Not it's being a father, I never know these things. 16th, yeah, so okay. Sunday. Next Sunday. So we have dad jokes and we have dad bods. 
Oh no. And this commercial from the Dollar Shave Club celebrates the latter, the dad bod. <laughs> there all, all bodies are beautiful they thank are. you for thank saying you. that that was very nice of you yeah. to say right. that and you're tr right about that yeah. <laughs> uh okay if that wasn't disturbing enough mm -hmm. uh, okay so stimmerol gum has a rather odd ad um it's in english and it's also subtitled in german so oh. if any of you people are visiting from germany this one's for you they're good Excuse me, sir. I have a question for you. In fact, I have a question for all of us. What has happened to common decency? Hmm? This woman is obviously pregnant, and you just took her seat? Well, we, the good people of this bus, will not turn a blind eye. The least that we can do is give this woman a moment's pause from the, the constant onslaught of this lousy, seat-stealing world. I mean, she is with child, man. So, you know, get up. I'm not pregnant. Dare to open your mouth, Stimmerol! Never. Oh boy. Never. That's an oops. You know, um, I'm not a smoker. Good. I would, you know, it'd be nice if everybody stopped smoking. Mm -hmm. I know some people like to do it. But you know who else wants you to stop smoking? the felines of the world. Ah.
Cadillac. See? I was going to give you props for that. Right. Best line of the night. Oh, come on now. That's only because I called you on not saying anything when I said it the first time. It was perfect. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Perfect. Nice. Have a great weekend, that was everybody. Brutal. I apologize for such. <laughs>